to me, great entrepreneurs solve problems. And that's the skill that we probably work on the most. Like, here's the problem. What's the logical solution to this? My daughter had one last night, you know, got stuck in a garage, didn't have her ticket. Like, it's like, all right, well, I mean, because if you want to be an entrepreneur, like, there's no day that's going to be the same. The assembly line is going to break every day. So you just you need to become a problem solver. So I think I think problem solving and marketing are two core fundamental tenets of entrepreneurship. Like then eventually you need to learn finance and, and also just understanding the basics of how to make money and profit and all that stuff. Welcome to another insightful episode of Parent Entrepreneur Power. In this podcast, Mary Catherine Johnson and Evan Johnson highlight the successes and struggles of parents in business. They share how to be the example of success in entrepreneurship to foster the same in your child, and so much more. Are you ready to power up? All right, welcome everybody to another incredible episode of Parent Entrepreneur Power. Um, I'm here with my lovely co-host, Mary Catherine Johnson. Or as I know her mom, as always, uh, and we have an exciting guest here today, uh, Robert Glazer. Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We like to start off by just making sure everybody's on the same page. So tell us, who are you, and what do you do? Yeah, I uh, I have a couple of different things that I do. Uh, my day job is. Uh, I am founder and CEO of a global partner marketing firm agency called Acceleration Partners. And uh, on the nights and weekends, uh, I, I write, <laughs> I've written some books, uh, speak, uh, I have something called Friday Forward, which is a newsletter that goes to a couple hundred thousand people uh, each week. Um, I founded another business called Brand Cycle that we spun off uh, and is run by a different uh, team now. So I've, I've had my hands in a, a lot of different businesses over the years. And uh, your kids, uh, do you have any kids? And uh, if so, how many and how old are they? Uh, I have three kids, uh, a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 12-year-old. Wow. Okay. So they're not like little, little kids then. They're teens. No, they're, 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 yeah, they've gotten big fast. I don't know. Every time I say those, it seems to move uh, a couple years. But yes, I have, <laughs> I have teens. I, I, I know what you mean. Uh, the one, the one here. I mean, yeah. I think when he was in middle school, I think he surpassed my height. I'm, I'm not small. I'm 5'8", five, eight, five, eight, five, and, five, eight and a half. I mean, he shot past me and I started having to look up. That's when I knew, um, you know, timeouts weren't going to work anymore. It's so. fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, are your kids a part of your business at all? Uh, my kids are not a part of my business. Uh, I, well, my, my main business and, 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 it's not the type of business that kids can work in. So um, I, I don't know if I would have them involved in the business. I think uh, I, I've seen a bunch of different things over the years that give me conflicting things on that. But um, they, they have been involved with some of my books and helping me send those. And we uh, we rent some property and, and, and things like that. And, and we talk about those things. And I, I'm always explaining marketing or economics or just even you know when we buy a house and you see x price it also has y mortgage and a lot a lot of the things the financial literacy that that um and how things work that i wish i actually had understood at their age (laughs) yeah it's a that's a tough one and i think there are different ways that when evan and i talk about uh having our kids work in our business there are very different ways 
that we look at that, that the majority of, uh, of entrepreneurs look at it. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking to build a business so that Evan can, you know, come in under my wing and take it over one day and it lives beyond me and all that stuff. That's not, that's not my goal. If, I mean, I'm sure many people have that goal and that's great. If, especially if they're, if their kids really want to do that same thing, but really, is there any way that you have seen in your business where your kids either have a propensity or they have an inclination of a particular skill or talent that they really enjoy that you could actually help them develop that skill or flourish with that skill through some part of your business? Let's say if it's operations and they really like numbers, right? And yeah. they might want to keep some of the books or if it's... If it's um, art and they love putting together images and making posts on social media and things like that. Could they do something like that for your business as you, as a client of theirs, let's say, rather than actually working for your business. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And it it, it is, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think there are certainly some things like my daughter's very good at designing things. Um, we've hired her to create video for, for something we needed for an event, not in the business that my wife and I needed, um, there was something where we need to create some sweatshirts. And I said, Oh, she'd love to do that. You know, she, she does that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there, it's interesting though. I think if a business in the way I am involved in my business and I don't like to be operationally, uh, I'm not that operationally involved in the day to day and at the scale, it's just not easy for me to, it's not like a 20 person awesome to walk in and give them a job to do. It's not, it, we've been remote for 10 years. It's not necessarily easy to insert them into a process. And then I think that that puts a burden on someone else. So I, I, I have heard all different parts of the spectrum. Uh, I, I know people have worked with their kids or spouses and they have great relationships. I don't know. There's something to me always that just, I, I think it's better to keep those things separate. And so I've, I've, I've created other other discussions and other opportunities. My kids, I don't like to ever. I'm a very. We are a performance marketing firm. I'm a very meritocracy oriented person, and I think when the CEO or founder asks for their and it's a and and we have a full management team and we're a 240 person organization. So you know, if we needed someone to pick up books or clean something, we don't have those jobs. You know, and you ask your 14 year old come in, no one's going to blink. But otherwise, when you ask that person to be involved, they're I don't. I, I think it's messing up the organic flow of no one's going to feel comfortable saying no to that. And and I've always, um, my sister actually worked with me before, uh, not but I specifically didn't have her work for me and in the business. And then she ended up helping us spin off that other business. Um, I just I really tried to keep church and state separate on those things. Yes, I get it. It just seems like the bigger the company, the more yeah, the more difficult it is to include. If it was a 10 person company and we're all in an office, my kids are packing boxes on the weekend, but you know, we're meritocracy and people have ownership. And, and, and so it just, it gets messy. I think there's some businesses where the owner has said, Hey, this is my business. I get all the profit. What's mine is mine. And so no, no one cares what the kids do because it doesn't impact them in any way. Um, So, you know, we are a client services marketing agency. Like there's not a lot of good, It'd be very different if we were like a food distribution business. And again, they were in there helping on the weekend with inventory. We just, we don't have those sort of, those sort of roles. I, we are highly specialized workforce. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it completely. I hear you. So a couple of different things like with Evan and uh, myself, that's how he started. He, I asked him if he wanted to 
edit my podcast and earn some extra money because I couldn't do it myself anymore. Right. And I'm going beyond that. And I needed someone to do it for me. He said, yeah, sure. He learned it. Now he does it for other people. He also coaches, blah, blah, blah. So with that, obviously that's the organization that you have, uh, especially merit-based, like you're talking about is not possible. You don't want to have nepotism and all these kinds of things break down the, um, the community that you have, that is your business. That is your, uh, your, your system. How are you then helping your kids understand at a very simple simple level as it would have been when you first started your business, yeah. not what it is now, how are you helping them understand whether or not entrepreneurship is something they want and the amount of work and, and satisfaction and all those things that goes into it? Well, they probably see both. They see the rewards and they see the long work. And I don't... Like I, I, in some ways, I think an entrepreneurship is a blessing or a curse that you are born with, but you can become better at it. Like anything, like look, you can become a better hitter, but some people just have incredible hand-eye coordination. That no matter how many hours of coaching I had, I would, I would never have. Right. So some people have the, the temperament, the risk appetite, and they can learn those things. I, I, I to me, great entrepreneurs solve problems, and, and that's the skill that we probably work on the most. Like. Here's the problem. What's the logical solution to this? My daughter had one last night, you know, got stuck in a garage, didn't have her ticket. Like, it's like, all right, well, I mean, because if you want to be an entrepreneur, like, there's no day that's going to be the same. The assembly line is going to break every day. So you just you need to become a problem solver. So I think, I think problem solving and marketing are two core fundamental tenets of entrepreneurship. Like, then eventually you need to learn finance and, and also just understanding the basics of, how to make money and profit and all that stuff. So I, I, I think we tend to focus on those building blocks than more the thing. And what, what I would love one day is to be in a position to invest in, you know, whatever they're doing. But again, not hey, I'm going to give you the money. Like, I, hey, I'll be the I'll be the investor. And uh, as you have skin in the game, I'll have skin in the game. That that's that's really how I could see myself uh, wanting to be involved in in what's important to to, to them. So I, I think again, understanding business like. You know, we might be in, I would say, like deconstruct the value chain, like yeah. an exercise, like you're an ice cream store. Oh, how do, you, how do you think they get the milk in here? How do the cows in? Where does it come from? Or just just uh, like thinking that way, I think opens up people's eyes to new ways of doing things. And that's really what entrepreneurs do, right? They find a new way of solving something that someone else hasn't done before. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so are your kids, so they're not like, are they all still like, you know, they're still in school, I assume. Yeah. And do any of them show, like, do they want to become entrepreneurs or are they planning on the call, doing the college route first? Um, it remains to be seen. Uh, I don't know that any of them are so passionate that, that I think my oldest wants to go to school and is a voracious learner and is comfortable that way. I, I don't know by the time we get to the third, he's my very extroverted kid that likes to do things his own way. So I, you know, he, he may be starting a business um, before then, but I, you know, I think um, I don't, I don't think the starting your own business and the education are, are, are mutually exclusive. So um, I, I think, you know, also just like, look, if you have something, look, I, I Babson, I used to have interns from Babson, uh, college, which is right near me in Wellesley. I think it's the most entrepreneurial college in the country. These kids are like in college dealing with like shareholder lawsuits and fundraising and all this stuff. And I'm thinking like, why don't you just enjoy college? There's time, there's time for this, you know, afterwards. Again, all this unsexy stuff. So I, I, I actually think that 
if you if there's something you are that passionate about that early, then jump into it. If you're just dying to be an entrepreneur and you don't know what that idea is, I think getting exposed to different things, education, going to work for a company with a great whether it's a sales training program or a marketing training program or a leading training program, like make make the mistakes and learn on on someone else's dime in in in, in knowing that you're like me, like probably I was not going to be able to work for people forever, but I didn't have the idea. I didn't have the thing I wanted to solve a breakthrough. Like, you know, I, and if I had it, if I had kind of just not given up on the education, all that stuff without having something to dive into, I, I'm not sure it would have been a good, good result. So I, that was the one thing I would tell them is that you have to be so passionate about what you do because it is going to have, you know, if you're just doing it to make money, that's different than, you know, having all these failures and near-death experiences that you got to get through and keep going. It's not, I like to say that entrepreneurship is sexy only in the rear view mirror. I think that people looking in on it or they see a business sold and they're like, they don't, I mean, I remember a story of someone telling me he and his wife came from selling the business after 15 years and finally having financial freedom. And, and, and she said, the last time I was in that lawyer's office was when we were almost declaring for personal bankruptcy five years ago. Like, that's that's just the stuff that people don't see. They only right. they they see the win, they see when the equity pays off. They don't see the capital calls. Um, <laughs> so, it's a, so you have. So I said almost like it, I'm not sure whether you choose it or it chooses you because I'm not sure. For most people, it wouldn't not very enjoyable based on their DNA. Yeah, and that's the whole point of it, right? I mean, if you're not passionate about something like you just talked about, you're not going to make it through all those things. And yeah, there's some going. people who just love money and making money. Yeah. And, and you could do that. You can get into a sales system. You can get into affiliate thing. Like that's very different than building a, a building a whole business, you know, that has a purpose. I think, um, again, there's some people who are just really good at making money and want to make money. So. So what advice would you give parents out there that are not at your level of business and don't have the team and the system set up that you yeah. do, but are solopreneurs or maybe have a real small team and their kids are coming up and they're seeing different, um, you know, uh, talents or predispositions that they might want to help their kids maximize through their business so that they can model and foster entrepreneurship and help their kids decide if this is a, an avenue they want to take. Is there any particular piece of advice you'd give? I think I just believe in the same thing about opening the hood. So like, and then probably the Socratic method of asking questions of we're at dinner night. Oh, what happened? Today? Well, I had this issue, like this client, you know, signed a two-year contract and for one of their business lines and they asked to get out of it. But we have the opportunity on another one, so I can I can hold them to the contract, and then maybe I don't get this other. And and it's an interesting discussion, right? It's a hey, so 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 what would you do? Or you know, we had this happen today, so I, I think that, like I said, like breaking down the supply chain, like opening up the hood, looking under it, getting intellectual curiosity under that, understanding those decisions. Then maybe I'd say that's really fun. I want to do that, or like hell no, I want to go work on an assembly line. Like I want, I want. <laughs> I want to just do something like I want to just do something that's simple and repetitive and use my money to go do stuff that's fun. Like, you know, I I think there's people that that do that. But I to me, it's just the more, you know, you can dumb down any issue to a kid. Like you have a bad day because your client fired you. Like, all right, well, here's what happened. Like, you know, we didn't follow up with them and we made a mistake. And they fight and, and it just it, it brings these more adult concepts for discussion and understanding what it actually looks like under the hood. And I, I think there's so many, one family I know that has like four entrepreneurs, the father and the three kids, he just did this all day with them. Like, it was like, here's the problem. What's the solution? Or here's a, you know, 
how do you get out of jail with a spoon, a jar and a whatever? Like you just, you know, he's just constantly like giving them these scenarios of like, what would you do in this situation? How do you solve it? And they have incredibly entrepreneurial kids. So I, again, I, if I, I'm generalizing, but I think that entrepreneurs see problems as things to be solved. And inherently, I think you, you, except for the rare engineering business or whatever, you, you learn to be a marketer, right? You have to, you have to sell yourself and your business. So you learn that skill. It's really cool that it sounds like you're very open about what your kids want and what they might want, as opposed to many people I hear say like, oh, they have to go to college or they, ha- or, or I don't want them to go to college. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, something like that though. They won't like, they'll try to force their kids into something. And so it's cool to hear that you're very open uh, on helping your kids kind of find whatever path works best for them. Yeah, I think they're basic standards, you know, that we have and expectations, but also clear too about, you know, uh, the, the, what it takes, you know, I, I've, I've had success. Like I, I, you know, uh, do stuff and my daughter would be like, Oh, what'd you buy? And I'm like, well, I worked hard. I bought it. Like I, you know, I, I try to be pretty clear too around like, Hey, the, these are, you don't have to want these things or these, but here's what these things cost. I, my parenting mantra is, uh, you can be whatever you desire as long as you're willing to do, but what's required. So I'm never going to tell my kids they can't do anything. I think that's demoralizing. But I'm going to say, if you want to get into Harvard, here's what it requires. If you want to be an astronaut, here is what it requires. And I'm not going to do the work for you, and I'm not going to want it for you. So sure, you can get into Harvard, but you need to have a 1600, and so and you need to have you know these grades, and you need to have these things. And if that's what you want, then I'll try to help you get there, but again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force my desires onto them. Not only that, it sounds like you also help them uh, see what kind of work it takes. Like you talk about meritocracy. Maybe this is yeah. You you merit the work you put in gives you certain results and gives you certain benefits. And as long as we see those two things clearly, instead of just going, oh well, you know, sure, yeah. I'll give you this, and you know. Uh, then there's no well, merit at all. My kids make fun of me because I, 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 so I'm an optimizer and I've got into biking recently. And so the problem with that is that I need the right bike for the right scenario. So I have been on a little bit of a Craigslist bike buying bins the last couple of years. It's fun for me. I find one on Craigslist. I like the sport of it. I bike. You know, why do you not? I'm like, I, I was like, I worked hard. I can afford them. Like it's fun for me. Like it, it, it is what it is. Like, yeah. So um, I, I think, yeah, they, they, they see the pros. I mean, you're going to see the pros and the cons of, of, of any scenario. I think they would have, they would, um, my daughter's always trying to like, I'm pretty open with all financial stuff about what things cost or whatever, other than I had a discussion with all my friends this weekend over what age the kids try to find out, you know, what they, what, what you make. I mean, that's just not something I, that that's, we haven't discussed that because I, I just don't think they could fully understand it or need to know it or otherwise, but they understand what our house costs. And we talk through stuff. My daughter's tried to solve it through algebra because at one point I told her we wanted to dedicate a certain amount to charity each year. And then she tried, I realized she was trying to get me to ask how much we had given to charity last year. And she was trying to solve it that way. So but she's, she's resourceful. Um, but I think, I think it's important for them to understand like what things cost or what, you know, our neighborhood or houses or cars. I remember a story, we were having a party for my son and, 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 uh, when we were having his bar mitzvah, I said to him something like, 
you know, it's kind of like having a BMW and driving it off a cliff. And he was like, well, that's, uh, I said, what did he say? Something like, he's like, well, that's not that bad. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And I was like, how much do you think a BMW costs? And he's like, $3,000. So it was interesting. Like, you know, then we got a whole order of magnitude discussion. Of, this is what cars cost. This is what, so um, I, I think it's important that they understand like what things cost. Um, again, I think there's something about sharing income and, you know, and that, but, but, you know, they, they, uh, they understand that stuff. My daughter is spends a ton of time on Zillow and is always like, Oh, look, our house went up this month. She's, I don't know, she's only 17 year old. I know like Zillow so much. I mean, <laughs> maybe she'll be in a real estate. I have a real estate bug. My, we have a real estate bug in my family, but you know, we bought a rental place and we talked to him about, Hey, well, here's, you know, what you pay for it. You borrow this amount and then you rent it for this amount. And, and just, I think understanding those basic financials just help you and anyone can anyone can benefit from that financial literary literacy uh literacy why can't i can't say yeah i know yeah um (laughs) totally well what is it so that's interesting when you talk about not wanting or not uh discussing exactly what you make with your kids what what's the premise behind that why would why would that be a bad thing or why would why would that have any positive or negative connotations to it um, yeah, I don't, I just don't know whether they even understand what that means or the emotional context or whether something comes up with a friend and it's just not, I, I don't know. I, I, I sort of talking to a lot of friends, that's where they've drawn the line. You know, it's interesting. I have, I was with a couple friends in the last couple of doctors and, and realizing like they go through all of medical school and everything. And they're, they're now managed. They're at the point where they're running practices and dealing with the, they're never taught anything about business or, you know, buying a practice or buy, and they're dealing with all of these problems and they, and they all had to learn it on the fly. They were never taught any of it, which is fascinating to me. Like take something like, um, orthodontics, um, where you're probably, you know, there's an exact supply of graduates every year in retirement. So you're probably going to graduate and then buy into a practice and then buy out someone over five years and then move out. Like they are literally never taught how to do that, even though that's going to 90% be their outcome. There's not even one class on understanding the economics of that, which is really interesting to me because generally the first time you do things, you don't do them very well. No, you're <laughs> going to make lots of mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's not like you can just trust the doctor who's selling his or her practice to just take care of you completely and, and uh, have yeah. your benefit in mind rather than his or her own. Right. Um, and yeah, how do you structure it? Is it better to use debt or equity? You know, things like, oh, you know, you know, should the person hang around for five years? Do you change the brand? You know, my friend was telling me that uh, he, you know, so let's say it was, you know, Smith practice and then Gordon came in, you know, so it went from Smith practice to Smith Gordon. And then two years later, they flipped it to Gordon Smith and then they dropped Smith. Right. So it was like a very slow branding change so that people would get used to it. Again, this is all on the fly stuff. So I I think the more of these real world scenarios that I walk through with my kids around business and problems that, I mean, one of the things I think in a fast growing business is just the problems are all different and new every day and they require judgment. And I, I, again, I think that's a skill set that they can take in whatever they do. Um, Again, if you go into medicine, you're going to be, you might be the person managing and rolling up practices. If you go into law, you might be the managing partner. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I never really thought of, or it never really came up in our household with um, either withholding or sharing income, and especially at a younger age. I mean, I probably wouldn't even talk about that. I think Evan and I recently had a conversation about that, and he's twenty in his twenties. Um, so, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have a conversation like that with a sixteen-year-old or a fifteen-year-old, just because, again, like you say, the context is missing. They have they really don't understand what what that means. Right. But what different is now, other than your income, it might be the last great thing. Everything else is free, uh, is, is out there. So again, with Zillow, I got to talk to my kids about what our house is worth. Otherwise, <laughs> they go right. on Zillow and they're like, That's what right. is what does this mean? Right. So it's, it's out there, right? I, you can't lie about it. So you no, might as no, well no. explain it. And yeah. why would you? Yeah. Why yeah. would you want to lie? Yeah. But as a kid, yeah. I had no idea how much our house was worth. But, you know, Zillow makes it fairly clear. Very easy. If you're interested. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Awesome. Yeah, I said I have one kid. I don't know what's good, better, or worse that she's more on Zillow than Instagram. I don't. Know, I don't know which which one, which one I would like more. I I think I prefer <laughs> Zillow personally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's she's gonna at least there's something she can do with that rather something, than just, and something in real estate that she's drawn to. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, whether it's the the pricing or the style of house or the area or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's it's incredible. And and living in California, I can tell you it's. And I know this is across the country right now at the time of this recording, real estate prices are going absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. Anywhere. It's crazy. Insane. I mean, really insane. I would definitely not pay for my house what I could get for it. <laughs> I wouldn't pay for anything that I wouldn't pay for college. I couldn't get into my college. I wouldn't buy my house. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rent my rental. All, all of those things. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway. Well, it definitely else? sounds, well, I was just going to say, it really sounds like uh, where you really kind of set up your kids with an entrepreneurial mindset, um, even though you haven't had them be like a part of your business, having the kind of conversations you've had around, you know, money and costs and investing and things like that, I think is really like set them up to think about that because uh, most parents don't have those kinds of conversations. And public school doesn't have those kinds of conversations. No. Um, so that's that's very cool to hear because I do not meet very many young people who think about those kinds of things. Our, our, our town, I give them credit, our town had this big project in sixth grade where they had to come up with a business, under build all the costs, unit costs, like cost of goods sold, marketing. Like it was a really cool project where they had to do all of this. And like I said, I think... There isn't a field that you go into that I think you don't need basic financial literacy and leadership. And again, because whatever it is, if, if you move up higher into it, again, doctor, um, I was away with doctor and he was talking about, you know, practices and private equity firms buying practices. And then the doctors owning their own equipment and then sending patients that like it was all business stuff at some at, at some point. So it was fascinating. Yep. That's what makes the world go round. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's never it's never bad to have financial literacy. Yeah, oh yeah, it really isn't. I mean, no, very few people I know have actual financial literacy. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I always ask this question. I think like if anyone, I think one out of two out of a hundred people can answer what is a car lease. Like what actually determines a car lease payment? <laughs> um, it's just I mean, you have everyone leasing their cars and like very few people could say, oh, it's the amount of depreciation between the beginning and the end plus a finance rate. Um, they don't even they don't even know what they're paying for. 
<laughs> yep. I, I'm looking at leasing a car right now. The difference between leasing and buying, just looking yeah. at, at why I want to do one or the other. And and it's not that, right. It's right. It's not that it's right or wrong in certain information, no. but, but if you don't even understand, if you just say, oh, well, that payment is cheaper, then right. you're not really understanding the dynamics of, of, of what the lease is um, and how it works. Maybe yeah. that that car doesn't depreciate as much, right? That's it. And what you're going to pay for at the end of that lease, if you want right. to actually own that car or if you want to trade it in and go get the next lease or the next purchase. I mean, understanding that process is vital for any any kind of decision like that you're going to make. That's like buying a house and not understanding what it is you're buying. And exactly. we just refinances. We, we, we just refinanced our house. So going through the whole refinance process, what you still have to go through the title and the whole underwriting and all those things. And how does that all work with right. it? With and you the understand there, you understand, oh, I owe the mortgages you know, the balance that I owe plus the interest broken up into pieces. So that's paid off in 30 years. Like yeah, in theory, right. at least you hopefully understand what that Basics. is. Basics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then what are you going to do with difference between a second mortgage or a line of credit? And how yeah. do those two things work? Right. I mean, yeah. And, and the same, like Evan, he's, he understands what it takes to put down a deposit for an apartment and what the lease is for the apartment, how long he has to pay it. What about utilities? All those kinds of things. Um, because yeah. he went through that process and and is financially literate for it, yeah. um, but most of us don't. We don't get that. I moved out of the house; had no clue when I moved out of my parents' house what that meant, how it worked, renting first and last, deposits, yeah. all that. I had no clue at the age of eighteen. Yeah, it's cash flow. I mean, even if it's a deposit, you get it back, but it's cash flow, right? Yeah, and also, what if I damage the apartment in some way? I won't get that deposit back. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Crazy. So as we, you know, begin to wind on the conversation, we like to ask a bit of a doozy of a question. Um, if you were to die tomorrow, what kind of entrepreneurial legacy would you leave for your kids to use as an example as they grow into potentially entrepreneurs themselves? I mean, I hope it's a, for my kids or employees, I hope it's a leadership legacy, right? I think I hope I helped build leaders for tomorrow, both within my organization and within my family. So whatever way that they were going to create and contribute that they were able to, to, to lead and, and have the choice to, 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 to do their own thing if they wanted to and have, the, have that skill set and capacity. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a really good answer. <laughs> yes. Well, hopefully, I'll, I'll make it through that. <laughs> Before that day comes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's going to come for all of us. So. <laughs> it, yeah, <laughs> none of us. It's really amazing how yeah. many people really try and get out of this whole thing, but they're not yeah. getting out. <laughs> we all go to the same place. Not getting out of life. Nope. <laughs> all right. Well, well, Robert, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. For people who are interested in you, know, you and what you do, uh, where can they find out more about you? Yeah, they can find out uh, everything is all at robertglazergla.com. Okay. And I suggest you sign up for that Friday newsletter. It's really it's really incredible. That's uh, the first thing since our first conversation. I've been getting your uh, your Friday newsletter and uh, it's it's amazing. So I highly recommend it. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parent Entrepreneur Power. Hopefully you came away with valuable tools you can use in your business, life, and relationship with your kids. 
If you want to hear more about our mission, or if you want more insights into cultivating your parent entrepreneur power, join our movement to make entrepreneurship more accessible to parents and their kids at parententrepreneurpower.com.